thanks for coming this morning. It's good to see your bright, smiley faces. Everybody stand up. It's going to be a great day at Harmony. We've got some great songs about the way, what God has in store for us. And then Pastor Doug Smith is speaking this morning while John's on spring break. So it's just going to be a good day. I'm glad you're here smiling with us. As we sing this first song, think about the evidence of God in your life and how great he is, what he does for you. Sing with me as we start singing. All throughout my history, your faithfulness has walked beside me. Think about that. The winter storms made way for spring. In every season, from where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life, all over my life. I see your promises in fulfillment. All over my life, all over my life. Help me remember when I'm weak. Fear may come, but fear will leave. You lead my heart to
life and you look around, you always see the evidence of God's goodness. Even when things don't go our way, we know that God is good and that we can trust him. So this morning as we sing, How Great Is Our God, I want you to internalize this and we'll end up singing, How Great Is My God. And I hope he is your God this morning. As Ann leads this song, sing with us.
wonderful worship this morning. You may be seated. How's your week been? Mine was flat out busy. But I'm glad to be here this morning worshiping, praising the name of the Lord, gathering with the people of the church. Even Rocky, I'm glad he's here this morning. Pastor John is on vacation, spring break with his family. Uh, Y'all remember Bev and Scott Rowden? That's where they're hanging out, down in South Carolina somewhere. AJ and Brittany and their family are on spring break in Virginia. That leaves me. Me and Mary. So it's, uh, it's good to be here this morning. I want you to, you to know there's a lot of prayer requests that need to be lifted up this morning, but the first one is the Nowling family right here in the sec third row. Uh, Nikki went home to be with the Lord. The viewing for Nikki is right here in this room today from 1 to 6 p.m., and then the funeral is tomorrow at 11 a.m. here at the Family Life Center at Harmony. We need to lift this family up in prayer. It's going to be a wonderful celebration of life. She was somebody that's worthy of celebration. So if you can come out and show your, your honor to the family and sympathize with them, I'm sure they would appreciate that. Keep uh, Pastor John and AJ in your prayers as well as they travel. Uh, many things going on. You've noticed at the back of the room as you came in this morning, there's a table set up for the ladies' event coming up for the Mother's Day brunch. Uh, if you haven't signed up for that, please do so. Um, they're only selling a limited number of tickets. When they sell those, they'll sell another limited number of tickets. Uh, so get them fast. Uh, it's going to be a, a good morning that morning celebrating mothers. And uh, where would we be without our mothers, right? So let's... Uh, Go ahead and, and get signed up for that as soon as you can. There's plenty going on. Uh, I was having a conversation actually with Ron Cole up here this morning about what's going on. I said, well, do you read your emails? He said, well, no. <laughs> so if you haven't signed up for emails through Harmony, you can do that with the connection card. Scan one of the cards in the back. Make sure we have your email address, and you start getting all the you you start getting more announcements than you want. But continue to read them. Easter's coming up; happens every year. We've got a special program coming up on Easter Sunday morning. I want you to be a part of one service. We're going to to pack the house, and uh, we have a special guest by the name of Paul Pitts that's coming in that does a monologue called "The Scribe." It's the uh, his view of Easter, the original Easter from a, a Roman centurion point of view. It's going to be an awesome day. I want you to be a part of it. So sign up for those emails. If you got the email and you didn't open it, please open it, read through it. You have an opportunity to find out more what's going on. But uh, we're going to sing a couple more songs here in a minute, and then Pastor Doug Smith is going to come up and, and share the word, the, the message that God gave him. And I'm looking forward to that already because I put his slides in and it's going to be interesting. So let's pray. Father, I'm again so thankful for the sunshine this morning. I'm thankful for your power and your presence in our life. And Father, as we gather here today, I pray that you wouldn't let this time be stale. 
I pray that you wouldn't make it just a box somebody's checking off just to be here because they feel like they have to be. Father, we get to come to church. We get to worship you. We get to fellowship with one another. And all of that leads into why we're here, and that is to uphold each other and worship the one true God. And Father, as we continue from here, we're all facing battles. I pray for the Dowling family this morning in their time of loss. I pray for John and AJ as they're traveling and, and the other family, plenty of families gone on spring break right now. Father, keep them safe. But Father, as we face our battles every day, help us to realize that the battles are not ours, they're yours. The Bible says that simply we just acknowledge you and trust you and you'll tell us what to do. You'll show us where to go. You'll bring the people in our lives that we need to talk to. So, Father, as we gather here this morning, I pray that you would just let your power and your presence be felt, that you would visit us in a great way and help us to remember the battles aren't ours. They are yours. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you stand with us one more time? the words of this song. When all I see is the battle, you see my victory. When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain move. And as I walk through the shadow, your love surrounds me. Nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear now, for I am safe with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Fortress, you go before us, 
Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. And Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our are whatever's got you chained he's the chain breaker this morning think about this if you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles if you've been hearing the same old voice tell the same old lies if you're trying to fill the same old holes inside there's a better light there's a better life if you've got pain he's a pain taker if you feel lost he's a way maker oh if you need freedom or saving he's a prison shaking savior if you've got chains he's a chain breaker all search for the light of day in the dead of night and we've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fight we've all run to things we know that just ain't right when there's a better life there's a better life if you've got pain he's a pain taker if you feel lost, he's a way maker. Oh, if you need freedom, saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. If you believe it, you'll receive it. If you can't feel it, somebody testify if you believe it you'll receive it if you can't feel it somebody testify kick it up now if you believe it you'll receive it if you can't feel 
thankful that you can break the chains that are among us, that you can set those things aside in our lives, and that we can fully trust what you have for us. You do have a plan for our lives. And Father, I'm thankful that you love us enough to make that obvious to us. So Father, as we gather here today and Doug preaches, I pray that you would give him the words exactly that he needs to speak, that you would take away the words that he doesn't need to say. And Father, that you would open our hearts and our minds to your leading today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Dave. Thank you to the praise team. Let's give them a hand. That's awesome what they do. I, uh, I don't know how they do it, but they do it, and I'm so thankful for it. I know you are too. How many here believe that God is a chain breaker? How many here believe? I mean, believe. It's, at the day and age we are at, we need to believe. Thank you so much for being here today. I want to thank Pastor John for allowing me to, to fill in this morning. It, it's a great honor to do so. And I want to say hello. Let's say hello to everybody watching online. They can only see me, but go ahead. <laughs> They're a little stubborn, but you know. I want you to go ahead and turn me to the book of Acts chapter 9. And as you turn there, whether it's in your Bible or something electronic, you just turn to Acts chapter 9. I want to borrow... Uh, an aspect of uh, a cultural phenomenon today. There is a show streaming on Disney Plus that's called The Mandalorian. How many are familiar with that? Okay, everybody under 30 is familiar with that. And me, obviously not under 30, I'm familiar with that. It's a spinoff of a Star Wars uh, character and uh, it's about this guy who's called the Mandalorian, and he has a baby Yoda that is so very cute that sells millions of T-shirts. And uh, the, it's not just about the guy, the Mandalorian. He's called the Mandalorian. He belongs to a group that's called the Mandalorians. Clever, huh? And they, they are a, 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 almost a religious sect. You start to learn about them as the series goes on. And uh, they're bounty hunters, which is kind of kind of fun. And uh, but they have these very strict rules they live by. To stay a Mandalorian, you were raised a Mandalorian, and you stay in these very strict set of rules and regulations, and you do things the way they are supposed to do them, and you do not vary from that. That's their deal. That's their creed that they have. And every once in a while in the show, they start to, they, they'll, battle, they'll bicker a little bit amongst themselves or something like that, uh, or they'll bail one another out at, at the last minute. And what they say to each other is this phrase, their catchphrase, this is the way. How many of you heard that? The same people under 30 years old have heard that. This is the way. I'm sure you, you rest of you have bought a lot of toys about that show. It's a very popular on Disney Plus. Now, in that series, as that uh, 
as that takes place, these operating principles lead us to our scripture this morning. So we're going to find in the Bible a very similar phrase that was used to describe early Christians. And uh, with that, we then, in this day and age, become challenged to be a Christian that represents what the Bible calls the way. And you'll see that it uses a capital W for the way. Uh, My uh, intent this morning um, is to challenge believers to evaluate our lives on a very deep and personal level. This is something between you and God and between me and God. I'm just delivering the message. You need to decide for yourself, as I must do, if you are living up to the characteristics, up to the creed, up to the way. Are you living the way with your life? Now, as I say that, um, I'm going to just uh, very briefly say that I was raised in a very, a very legalistic uh, church. That's where my parents raised me. I'm not complaining about it. Um, I survived and I did okay with it. So I'm not, I'm not putting it down. But I'm not talking about that today. I'm not talking about very specific things that you should dress like or be like. I'm talking about what's right between you and God. I'm talking about letting the Holy Spirit tell you what your way is should be, how you should affect the rest of the world. What is your testimony? What is it to your children, to your grandchildren, to people you work with, to people that live on the street that you live on, to people you go to school with, to the kids running around this church uh, relentlessly. They're relentless about running around this church. What are you telling them with your life? Because there is a way, and then there's a way not to be as a believer. Do you understand? Are you with me? All right. Look at me in Acts chapter 9. We'll start in verse 1 where it says this. Then Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found anyone who were there of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Let's have a word of prayer. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. I thank you that you're here with us today, that we can be here today. I thank you, Father, for all that have come out. And I ask you, Lord, to please speak to our hearts in a way that only you can, in a very unique way, a way that challenges us, a way that makes us better than we are right now, a way that helps us to understand that this is not just our little isolated life that we're living and we can live it any way we want to. As Christians, we carry the name and we carry the way. And what people think of you has a lot to do with the way we are. Please help us to understand that today, Father, and bless us. And I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And all all God's people said, amen. Amen. In context, this in Acts chapter 9 is the beginning of the account of Saul, who later became Paul. I know it's a little confusing, but that's the way it is. And how he came to Christ. This is the very beginning of his story. Uh, His job at the time as Saul had become to track down any Christian or anyone of the way, as he describes it here, and haul them to prison. Essentially, Saul was a bounty hunter. 
How weird is that? We don't think of him that way now, but that's what he was. This begs the question, what were the traits of the people of the way? How would Saul, the bounty hunter, recognize them? What did they do? How did they talk? Where did they go? What were their habits that identified them as a people of the way? They weren't, people weren't wearing crosses back then. They, they had no symbolism on them. They didn't have bumper stickers on their cars or anything like that. But how, so how would he recognize them? These must be people of the way. These are people I'm going to capture and I'm going to drag to prison. Perhaps it was the way they spoke. Some of you will recall that one of the, when Peter was under great duress as Christ was on the cross and he was being accused of being a Christ follower and he was denying it uh, to his shame, one of the things he did to act out in his denial was to curse. And he thought that would get them to understand, I'm not with him. He was afraid. He was acting out of fear. So perhaps it was the way they spoke. They didn't speak like other people. Maybe it was that they went to church. The early church met from house to house. They met regularly. Perhaps the, he would just wait outside the, the church in the parking lot with his binoculars and say, those are people of the way. I'm writing their names down, and I'm going to find out where they live. Perhaps it was because they went to church. Maybe it was the way they loved other people. The Bible tells us that Christians are known by their love for one another. Perhaps it seemed inordinate how much they loved one another, and all he had to do was figure out who the people are in the community that are not hating each other. They're just loving each other. Maybe that's how he found they were the people of the way. Maybe they were sharing because the early church shared they, they helped one another. They gave to one another. Maybe all of those traits combined, he had a list. He said, yep, yep, those are Christians. I've seen this before. Those are the people of the way. So as we fast forward a couple thousand years, I wonder if I would stand out as being among the people of the way. I wonder if you would stand out as being a people of the way. I wonder if anyone would recognize us as that. Uh, in a crowd, in our neighborhood, on the job, would you and I draw the intention of a bounty hunter looking for Christians? Would he look across the crowd and say, I got one? Oh, he'd say, no, there's nobody here, and move on. I wonder if that would be the case. In a few minutes, there's going to be a time for you to talk with God about this. I'm going to give you some alone time, which is really, really rare. And I'm going to encourage you against all your urges to keep the phone down and just have some quiet time with the Lord. Our lives are filled with busyness and noise and, and anything you want to call it, but it's rarely filled with alone time with God. So I'm going to give you that time in a few moments. It's going to be a time of self-examination. It's going to be a time for you to talk with God and answer what he is saying to your heart right now. It's a time to be real. It's a time to re be repentant. It's a time to rejoice, and it's a time for change in your life. So I encourage you to look forward to that time. That brings us to this question. What is the way? What is the way? Is there a particular description in the Bible? The Bible is full of descriptions of, of how a Christian should act and how they should be. 
and how they should stand out. Uh, example after example. Before this morning's purposes, we're going to stay with Saul, who becomes converts to Christianity, becomes Paul, and we're going to see what characteristics emerged in his life right away after this happened, and he came to Christ on the Damascus Road. Uh, it's not an exhaustive look by any means, but it's a good start to the question we're asking ourselves this morning. Am I, are you, a person of the way? Are you with me? Just making sure you're still awake. Point number one, a person of the way bears Christ's name. A person of the way bears Christ's name. Look with me in verse 15 of Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9 verse 15 says this, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Paul was called immediately to bear the name of Christ. This is the Lord's spoken purpose for Paul. He was to go and bear the name of Christ. As Christians, we have this distinct responsibility to carry that name carefully wherever we go. As believers in Christ, we are called Christians, Christ-like followers of Christ. We bear his name wherever we go, and that should bring with it a certain quality of our persona, because where I go and where you go gives a direct reflection of Christ. Are you with me? I'm going to use this as an illustration. I come from the car world, so you're going to have to excuse me for this, but uh, in the early 1970s and 1980s, yes, I was alive, not 1870s, 1970s, uh, the American automobile producers were losing a lot of business to the Japanese automakers. And now that's common, but it wasn't as common back then. Uh, even the most loyal customers were going away from the Fords and the Chevys and the Chryslers, and they were going to, to uh, Honda and, and what was then Datsun, and now it's Nissan and these other manufacturers. And uh, the, the problem was that they all identified was the problem of quality. Their cars were getting kind of junky. At the expense of making money, they had cut a lot of corners and the cars weren't holding up and people were recognizing that. So in response to that, uh, Ford Motor Company created a slogan that read, quality is job one. And they used that slogan for about a decade or so. And with that, they were sending a message uh, to their customers that we're sorry. We messed up. Uh, we get it. And we're going to fix things for you in our cars. But it wasn't all that they did with that slogan. It, it had another message with it too. They, they took that slogan and they delivered that message to every single employee that was responsible for that product. From the, 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 the assembly line worker to the salesperson to you name it, everybody got a personal message that they have something to do with this idea of quality is job one, that they can be responsible for that and they can take that to the next level that it needs to go to. As a biblical mandate, we who bear the name Christian should understand that we are personally responsible to bear that name. We're responsible for that name. The people that know you, you may be the only Christian they'll ever meet. You may be the only one they ever work with. You may be the only Christian they ever know. So their opinion of Christ is going to be based upon you. 
I know that's a lot of pressure. Thankfully, we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Thankfully, we have a God who does not leave us or forsake us. Thankfully, thankfully, we have a God that will take words like I'm saying right now and actually make something out of them. We have that God. So that takes the pressure off of us. Our job is just to be intentional about making sure that we were bearing his name correctly. To do so, uh, I'll say thoughtfully and carefully thinking about what am I doing here? What am I saying here? What am I portraying here? What does my life look like here? That I am a Christian and people are looking at me as a Christian and representing Christ. So uh, whenever I'm standing at Walmart, I, I hate Walmart. And now it's worse than ever because they have three lines open all the time. Anywhere is like that now. It's all like that. You, you can get in the line of McDonald's, five people there. You're there for about 45 minutes. And it's just service industry shortage. It's the way it is. How am I going to act when I finally get my turn? Huh? Am I going to walk up there and say, I'm telling you what. I'm a, a, a. They, they've heard it. They've had it. How about if I go up there instead and say, I know you're working hard. I'm thankful you actually are the person who showed up for work today. And may God bless you for that. What a difference that might make in that life. You, we need to examine this stuff. How am I treating other people in the worst of circumstances? How, how am I uh, taking on this biblical mandate uh, when I go to a restaurant, when I go to the job, if, I, if I'm just out and about uh, doing, doing my thing, when I'm driving my car, how am I treating other people? How are, you, how are you acting on your social media feeds? Oh, it's quiet in here. Are you a person of the way? Are you carrying the name of Christ in an appropriate way where you go? We have that personal responsibility for that, just as Paul did way back then. We carry the name of the one who willingly died for us. He died for us. We wouldn't die for us because we know us. He knows us better than that, and he died for us. Christ died for you. He died for you. He didn't have to. He didn't need to. He was good, but he did that for you. And Christian, you bear his name wherever you go. Are you taking that seriously? Are you taking that seriously? Before all the world, before all of our friends, before all of our family, before all of our neighbors, before everybody we know, before our church, we are bearing the name of Jesus Christ. Am I taking that seriously? Because that's the way. You with me? Number two, a person of the way preaches Christ. A person of the way preaches Christ. Look with me down at Acts chapter 9, verse 20. The Bible says, immediately he, meaning Paul, preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Immediately he preached the Christ of, in the synagogues that he is the son of God. The call to bear the name of Christ is a general directive. This call is more specific and direct. Preach Christ. And instantly, about 99% of you in here have it in your head. Well, I'm not a preacher. I'm done. You are. 
You are. The Bible calls you to be. Uh, There's this sort of lame excuse, and I mean lame excuse, that that's not for me. That's not my personality. That's not what I'm supposed to do. I, I can do anything. I'll sweep the floors and clean the toilets before I have to preach the name of Christ because I'm so scared of doing that. That's not for me. That's for the pastors. That's for everybody. I can name a thousand people before it gets to me. And yet here I stand. The Lord's got a funny sense of humor. Mark 16, 15 says this, says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Even I can understand that. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It's a very singular and pointed directive by Christ to the people of the way. Preach simply means proclaim. It means to tell. You can can add any kind of words you want to it, to speak the gospel, to talk about the gospel, to give an answer to those who are hurting and lost and hopeless and desperate by telling them what Christ has done for you. If you're saved here today, Christ has done something for you. He has changed you remarkably. He has given you hope. He has given you peace. He has given you love. He has given you things that we can't even describe. And he did that for you. Shouldn't somebody else hear that from you? I've got a question for you. It's a trick question, and you knew that. The moment you accepted Christ as your Savior, why are you still here on earth? Why are you still here? Why didn't he take you to heaven? Because you got a job to do. You have a calling to preach the gospel. I don't know why he chooses us to deliver his precious and powerful gospel. I can think of a lot of different ways that in my mind would be a whole lot more effective. But he chose us. Perhaps it's because we're the least. He chose us. He chooses us. He's choosing you right now. He's talking to your heart about somebody you know that needs to hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he is asking you. He is telling you. He is directing you. You need to tell them about Christ. Just open your mouth and he'll take over from there. Just tell them what he's done for you. Tell him what you know about him. Tell him how he's changed your life. Tell him how he wants to change their life. Tell them about hell. Tell them about heaven. Anything in between, but tell them about the gospel of Jesus Christ because you're directed to do so. There was a, a meme going around uh, that was kind of funny uh, recently. If they want to put it up there, it's a tattoo. And I understand it's kind of a faked up thing, but... Uh, no, no regrets. I'm thinking there's at least one regret here. I, uh, I think that this can serve as a reminder that we should never regret that we forgot or failed to tell somebody about Jesus Christ. That might be the biggest regret of all. Let's, let's stop making these excuses. Let's Um, let's be determined to have no further regrets about people we know, people we love, people we come in contact with that need the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's absolutely free to them. It's for the taking of them. If we were somebody, somebody, somewhere, one of us will tell them about the gospel. Uh, I believe as I, I watch this world that time is drawing short. It's certainly shorter today than it was yesterday. 
I'm not predicting Armageddon or anything like that. I'm just saying that the signs are starting to roll up here that the Bible directly gives us. Time is getting short. And I wonder how many people we know that need to be reached with the gospel. How many people do we know that need to hear the gospel? How many people do we know that need to know this freedom and this hope and this love of salvation of Jesus Christ? You know someone who needs this. You directly know someone who needs this. You know many someones who need this. And they need to hear it from you or they may not hear it at all. Romans 10, 14 says this. How then shall... They call upon him in whom they have not believed. And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Boy, that's a question, isn't it? That is quite the question. How are people who need the gospel going to hear it unless believers speak it? Christian, you're specifically directed to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ because this is the way. Number three, a person of the way brings peace, edification, and comfort. And I know what you're thinking. It's about time I started doing that. So I'll bring you some peace, edification, comfort here. Acts 9.31 says this, when the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had, had peace and were edified. Then the churches throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and were edified. And walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, they were multiplied. These churches were all afraid of Paul because he had been Saul, the bounty hunter. And now he's Paul and they hear he's coming and they're afraid, rightfully so. They didn't know of the change of him. But when they met him and they understood who he was now, how, how his life was different, how he changed, he brought them peace edification, and comfort. These people terrorized by bounty hunters. Uh, they, were, they were chased and persecuted under constant threat, but Paul brought them peace and he built them up and he comforted them. Everywhere we look today, we see upheaval. There's not just rumors of wars, there's wars. Uh, I heard this week that we should all expect a famine. That brings a lot of hope. Thank you for that. Uh, we don't see things that are encouraging these days. We don't see things that are peaceful these days. I do see people that are searching. They're searching for encouragement. They're searching for peace. They're, they're, they're searching for safety. And in this world of uh, predators and disasters and riots and, and uh, uh, evil, you name it, we have a world of fear. So as believers, we have this same opportunity that Paul had to give people words of peace, words of comfort, words of edification, words of hope. There's never been a greater time in my life that we have the opportunity to be, I guess now it's counterculture, by giving peace and hope and love and purpose to people in this world. There's never been a greater time. As the darkness closes in, light shines brighter. And we should be that light. We need to interject into people's lives with God's truth, not just 
I've got mine. There's too many Christians. I've got mine. I hope you find them someday. I don't know. It's not my problem. It is your problem. It is your problem. We need to interject in people's lives and let them know that this isn't all there is. For unbelievers, this world is heaven. It's the best they're ever going to know, as sad as that is. For, un, for believers, this world is hell. This is the worst it's ever going to be for us. We need to interject in people's lives and give them heaven. We need to interject in people's lives and give them hope. We need to interject in people's lives and quell their fear by knowing that Christ is in charge. And he's coming again. And we're waiting on him. Everywhere we look today, we see this, this darkness. But we are charged to be beacons of hope. Beacons of hope. I got a text late last night from a, a good friend of mine. He's a, he's a hardcore Irish Catholic. He's an immigrant from Ireland. And, uh, and at, at its core, we believe the same thing. Uh, salvation by faith. We both believe that. But he gets caught up in a lot of these things going on in the world. He sent me a text. I didn't know he could send them that long. It was, it was lengthy. And, and I, I, I just simply wrote back to him. I said, Brendan, God's in charge. I believe that with all my heart, and I know you do too. Accept that. Accept that he's in charge. I can't change. I can't affect what's going on on the world stage. But God is in charge. And I believe he has a purpose in everything that we see around us. But on a very personal level, I believe that part of that purpose is for people to be receptive to the salvation of Jesus Christ. To be receptive to the message of the gospel. To be receptive to a message of faith, hope, and love. I believe people need that more than ever. And I know for a fact that we are to deliver that message. To change lives is, a, is an awesome thing. You never know how deep the impact can be on somebody else's life by speaking some hope into their life, by speaking some love into their life, by speaking some peace into their life, by speaking some edification into their life. And where do we find such words? I'm glad you asked. Thank you for asking. Isaiah 6, 1, 1 through 3 will be on the screen. Here's where we find such words. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Peace is here. Edification is here. Comfort is here. A person of the way brings this with them wherever they go. We are to bring this with us wherever we go. That there is peace, that there is hope, there is joy, there is love. There, are, there, there, there is a reason to live in the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
So, this is the way that Christians ought to be. Now, I'm going to close here in a minute with an illustration that makes me glad that Joetta is not in here today. She's down with the kids. So I know this might be hard to believe because I, I dress so well that sometimes I walk out of the bedroom thinking I'm all dressed to go, and she goes, she'll, she'll look at me and she'll say, you're not wearing that out of this house. Don't leave me hanging, man. Anybody else? All right, leave me hanging. Thank you. I'll remember that. And she's, she's, she's a very kind person, unlike me. And she'll say, you know what? Let's go look at your closet. <laughs> That's her way of saying, you're an idiot. And you can't even dress yourself. You're 60 years old and you can't dress yourself. Let's go. So we go to the closet and she said, now what? And she'll say something like, what were you meaning to do here? <laughs> Obviously nothing. I, I was doing, I was meaning nothing but just to slip out of the house and I didn't make it. So she'll say, you know, why don't we, why don't we try this? She always says we, she means me. Why don't we try this instead? And then she gets me properly dressed so I can go out of the house and be acceptable to society somehow. In our life as Christians, we need to look in the mirror. And we need to look hard. And we need to look inside our heart with that mirror and, and ask ourselves, am I, am I a person of the way? When Saul was out looking for people to drag to prison, would he have come my way? Or would I have just been part of the crowd, uh, sort of a secret agent Christian that nobody knew? Am I a person that's carrying the name of Christ like it ought to be? That's quite a, that's quite a responsibility. I, I see, uh, and I'm so proud for them, uh, policemen who wear their uniform, and I, boy, they wear that proud. And, and it's awesome. I wonder, am I wearing Christianity that way? Am I wearing it in a way that my fa father in heaven would look down and say, you're doing okay today, kid? I wonder if I'm doing that. I wonder if you're doing that. If... Uh, we're people of the way. And I wonder if I'm actively, not passively, actively preaching his gospel. I wonder if I talk to people enough about the gospel, if I interject enough in their lives, if I, if I, I see the hurt and, and, I, and I know I have the answer, even though I'm afraid to, do I go ahead and say, you need Christ? You need Christ. Do I preach the gospel enough? Do I proclaim the gospel enough? Is it in the way I live and the way I act and the way I write? And again, the social media thing, is it in there? Do people hear the gospel when they talk to me? Do they hear the gospel when they see me? Do they hear the gospel when they know me? Am I a person of the way by preaching the gospel? And then we need to look in that mirror and we need to ask ourselves, am I giving hope to people? Am I giving peace to people? Am I giving love to people? Am I edifying people? Am I being a person 
of the way when I interact with other people? That's your question today. It's been my question for about five days now. It's tough. It calls that you've got to be real with your life. It calls that you've got to see yourself as you really are. It calls for action. It means that I can't just keep doing the same old, same old, and I'm hoping somebody reaches my neighbor for the cause of Christ. Maybe some of those people that walk around knock on the doors, maybe they'll reach him when it's my responsibility to reach him. It means we have to be very real when we look in that mirror of God's word and we have to decide, am I a person of the way? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes for just a few minutes. It's that time I promised you a few minutes ago. It's alone time between you and God and you and God alone. It's a decision time. He's talking to your heart. He wants you to be the best you can be. He wants you to be what he created you for. It's your loving father who's talking to you. So this makes it a decision time. If you know Christ as your Savior today, I encourage you to make sure you're identified with him as a person of the way, as a Christian, as a follower who loves God. To push through the doubts and excuses that have been so convenient and take your place in a long line of, of believers who have stood before us who represented Christ and represented him correctly. It's a time to step up to the responsibility of being a person of the way. For those of you here today and you don't know Christ your Savior, you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't know about this great calling, this great responsibility, this, this, this hope and this peace and this love. I want to tell you today Christ died for you. Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father but by me. Christ loves you so much, he died for you. He died for you. He has proven his love for you. It's not some myth. It's not some tale. It's a historical fact. He died for you. And while he was on that cross, he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You can interject your name in there. Father, forgive this person. They don't know what they do. He has forgiveness for you. And you're invited to accept him today. Just call out to him. Call out to him the best way you know how. And ask for forgiveness and salvation in Jesus Christ. I'm just going to have everyone stand for a minute. And I'm going to open up the altar as an invitation. If you want to come forward and pray, if you want somebody to pray with you, just get my attention. If you want to make a decision for Christ, if you want to come to Christ and you're not sure how, you come as the, as the musicians play. Now is your time to be alone with Christ and make that decision.
Time is passing. Decisions need to be made. Christian, are you living the way? Or have you made too many excuses? stand side by side with you, shoulder to shoulder, that we can do better. We can do a lot better. We have impact upon this world. Put our fears away because somebody else is afraid. Put our trepidation away because we know we need to be bold. And we become what God intended for us to be, people of the way. If you're here today and you know you don't know Christ as your savior, Several people have come forward this morning. I invite you to come too. I remember the day I stepped out into the aisle and my life changed forever. In Christ, I do have purpose. In Christ, I'm a child of the King. In Christ, I'm just as good as everyone else. Christ, I know love, I know freedom, I know peace, I know salvation. Just another minute before we close, you're invited to come. Some are still praying. I encourage you to use this time wisely. Soon we'll be out the door and the message will be forgotten and the the time with our friends and our family here in church will be forgotten and we'll be on our way and uh, trying to be first in line at the restaurant and all those things. I, I encourage you to use this time here wisely. What does it God want you to do? What is it he wants you to represent? Who is he wanting you to reach?
used to think about how awesome it was that Billy Graham would reach hundreds of thousands of people, and it was awesome. But it's no more awesome than reaching that one person who accepts Christ as their Savior. That one child, that one adult that need Christ as their Savior. Father, as we close today, you've kept your promise. You've given us your word. Your Holy Spirit has been very powerful today. And you've given us all that we need to know to change our lives and be people who represent you correctly. I ask you, Lord, to please burden our hearts to be what you've called us to be. And at the same time, Lord, to lighten our hearts to know that we're not in this alone. You are always with us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. Your Holy Spirit empowers us wherever we go and whatever we do. There's nothing else like that. I thank you, Lord, for the attention that was given today. And I pray, Father, uh, that you would change my life and all that have heard my voice today. By your glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, I ask it. All God's people said. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried, and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, uh, you're a part of our Harmony uh, online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.